behind you! Look behind you! Sang Darzy. Rikki Tikki knew better than to waste time in staring. He jumped up in the air as high as he could, and just under him, whisked by the head of Nagaina, Nag's wicked wife. She had crept up behind him as he was talking to make an end of him, and he heard her savage hiss as the stroke missed. This is Teacher Nina here. Are you ready for another story? I am. I have a wonderful story for you today from a very famous book called The Jungle Book. This story is called Ricky Tikki Tavi. Are you ready? Let's go! Ricky Tikki Tavi. This is the story of the great war that Ricky Tikki Tavi fought single handed through the bathrooms of the big bungalow in Zagoli, India. Darzi, the tailor bird, helped him, and Chachandra, the muskrat, who never comes out into the middle of the floor but always creeps round by the wall, gave him advice. But Ricky Tikki did the real fighting. He was a mongoose. His fur and his tail were similar to a cat's, but his head and his habits were more like a weasel's. His eyes and the end of his nose were pink. He could scratch himself anywhere he wanted, with any leg, front or back. He could fluff up his tail till it looked like a bottle brush, and his war cry as he scuttled through the long grass was One day, a flood washed him out of a burrow where he lived with his father and mother and carried him down a roadside ditch. When he woke up, he was lying in the hot sun on the middle of a garden path and a small boy was saying, Here's a dead mongoose! Let's have a funeral! Oh no, said his mother. Let's take him in and dry him. Perhaps he isn't really dead. They took him into the house, and a big man picked him up between his fingers and thumb and said he was not dead but half choked. So they wrapped him in cotton wool and warmed him, and he opened his eyes and sneezed. Now, said the big man, don't frighten him and we'll see what he'll do. It is the hardest thing in the world to frighten a mongoose, because he is always full of curiosity. The motto of all the mongoose family is, run and find out. And Ricky Tikki was a true mongoose. He looked at the cotton wool, decided that it was not good to eat, ran all around the table, sat up and put his fur in order, scratched himself and jumped on the small boy's shoulder. Don't be frightened, Teddy, said his father. That's his way of making friends. Ouch! <laughs> He's tickling under my chin, said Teddy. Ricky Ticky looked down between the boy's collar and neck, snuffed at his ears, and climbed down to the floor where he sat rubbing his nose. Good gracious, said Teddy's mother, and 
that's a wild creature. I suppose he's so tame because we've been kind to him. All mongooses are like that, said her husband. If Teddy doesn't pick him up by the tail or try to put him in a cage, he'll run in and out of the house all day long. Let's give him something to eat. They gave him a little piece of raw meat. Rikki-Tikki liked it immensely. And when it was finished, he went out into the veranda and sat in the sunshine and fluffed up his fur to make it dry to the roots. Then he felt better. There are more things to find out about in this house than all my family could find out in all their lives. I should certainly stay and find out, he said to himself. That day, he spent all day roaming around the house. He nearly drowned himself in a bathtub, put his nose into the ink on a writing table, and burnt it on the end of the big man's cigar, for he climbed up in the big man's lap to see how writing was done. At nightfall, he ran into Teddy's nursery to watch how kerosene lamps were lit. And when Teddy went to bed, Rikki-Tikki climbed up too. But he was a restless companion because he had to get up and check out every noise all through the night and find out what made it. Teddy's mother and father came in to look at their boy and Rikki-Tikki was awake on the pillow. I don't like that said Teddy's mother. He may bite the child. Oh, he won't do that, said the father. Teddy's safer with that little beast than if he had a bloodhound to watch him. If the snake came into the nursery now... But Teddy's mother wouldn't think of anything so awful. Early in the morning, Rikki-Tikki came to early breakfast in the veranda, riding on Teddy's shoulder and they gave him banana and some boiled egg. And he sat on all their laps, one after the other, because every well-brought-up mongoose always hopes to be a house mongoose someday and have rooms to run about in. Then Rikki-Tikki went out into the garden to see what was to be seen. It was a large garden, only half cultivated, with bushes as big as summer houses. There were rose bushes, lime and orange trees, clumps of bamboos, and thickets of high grass. Rikki-Tikki licked his lips. This is a splendid hunting ground, he said. And his tail grew bottle bushy at the thought of it. And he scuttled up and down the garden, snuffing here and there till he heard very sorrowful voices in a thorn bush. It was Darcy, the tailor bird, and his wife. They had made a beautiful nest by pulling two big leaves together and stitching them up the edges with fiber and had filled the hollow with cotton and downy fluff. The nest swayed to and fro as they sat on the rim and cried. What is the matter? asked Rikki-Tikki. We are very miserable! said Darcy. One of our babies fell out of the nest yesterday and Nag ate him. Hmm, said Rikki-Tikki. That is very sad, but I am new here. Who is Nag? Darcy and his wife 
only cowered down in the nest without answering, for from the thick grass at the foot of the bush, there came a low hiss, a horrid, cold sound that made Ricky Ticky jump back two feet. Then inch by inch, out of the grass, rose up the head and spread hood of Nag, the big black cobra, and he was five feet long from tongue to tail. When he had lifted one-third of himself clear off the ground, he swayed balancing, swaying side to side, and he looked at Ricky Ticky with the wicked snake's eyes that never change their expression, whatever the snake may be thinking of. Who is Nag? said he. I am Nag. I am he who is blessed by the gods. Look and be afraid. He spread out his hood more than ever. He was afraid for the minute, but it is impossible for a mongoose to stay frightened for any length of time. And Ricky Tiki had never met a live cobra before. His mother had fed him some dead ones, and he knew that all a grown mongoose's business in life was to fight and eat snakes. Neg knew that too, and at the bottom of his cold heart, he was afraid. Well, said Ricky Ticky, and his tail began to fluff up again. Do you think it is right for you to eat baby birds out of a nest? Nag was thinking to himself and watching the least little movement in the grass behind Ricky Ticky. He knew that mongooses in the garden meant death sooner or later for him and his family, but he wanted to get Ricky Ticky off his guard. So he dropped his head a little. You eat eggs. Why shouldn't I eat birds? you! Look behind you! sang Darzy. Ricky Ticky knew better than to waste time in staring. He jumped up in the air as high as he could and just under him, whisked by the head of Nagaina, Nag's wicked wife. She had crept up behind him as he was talking to make an end of him and he heard her savage hiss as the stroke missed. He came down almost across her back. He bit her, but did not bite long enough, and he jumped clear of her whisking tail, leaving Nagaina torn and angry. Wicked, wicked Darcy, said Nag, lashing up as high as he could reach toward the nest in the thorn bush. But Darcy had built it out of reach of snakes, and it only swayed to and fro. Ricky Ticky felt his eyes growing red and hot. When a mongoose's eyes grow red, he is angry. And he sat back on his tail and hind legs like a little kangaroo and looked all round him and chattered with rage. But Nag and Nagaina had disappeared into the grass. When a snake misses its stroke, it never says anything or gives any sign of what it means to do next. Ricky Ticky did not care to follow them, for he did not feel sure that he could manage two snakes at once. 
So he trotted off to the gravel path near the house and sat down to think. It was a serious matter for him. Ricky Ticky knew he was a young mongoose, and it made him all the more pleased to think that he had managed to escape a blow from behind. It gave him confidence in himself, and when Teddy came running down the path, Ricky Ticky was ready to be petted. But just as Teddy was stooping, something flinched a little in the dust, and a tiny voice said, "Be careful! I am death." It was correct. The dusty brown snakeling, whose bite is as dangerous as the cobra's, but he's so small that nobody thinks of him. Ricky Ticky's eyes grew red again, and he danced up to Karait with a particular rocking, swaying motion that he had inherited from his family. It looks very funny, but it is so perfectly balanced a gait that you can fly off from it at any angle you please. And in dealing with snakes, this is an advantage. If Ricky Ticky had only known, he was doing a much more dangerous thing than fighting Nag, for Karait is so small and can turn so quickly that unless Ricky bit him close to the back of the head, he would get the return stroke in his eye or lip. But Ricky did not know; his eyes were all red, and he rocked back and forth, looking for a good place to hold. Karait struck out. Ricky jumped sideways and tried to run in, but the wicked little dusty gray head lashed within a fraction of his shoulder, and he had to jump over the body. And the head followed his heels close. Teddy shouted to the help, "Oh, look here! Our mongoose is killing a snake!" And Ricky Ticky heard a scream from Teddy's mother. His father ran out with a stick, but by the time he came up. Karait has lunged out once too far, and Ricky Ticky had sprung, jumped on the snake's back, dropped his head far between his forelegs, bitten as high up the neck as he could get hold, and rolled away. That bite paralyzed Karait, and Ricky Ticky was just going to eat him up from the tail. After the custom of his family at dinner, when he remembered that a full meal makes a slow mongoose. And if he wanted all his strength and quickness ready, he must keep himself thin. Teddy's mother picked him up from the dust and hugged him, crying that he had saved Teddy from death. Ricky Ticky was rather amused at all the fuss, which of course he did not understand. Ricky was thoroughly enjoying himself. That night at dinner. Walking to and from among the wine glasses on the table, he could have stuffed himself three times over with nice things. But he remembered Nag and Nagaine and thought it was very pleasant to be petted and patted by Teddy's mother and to sit on Teddy's shoulder. His eyes would get red from time to time, and he would go off into his long war cry of. <coughs> Teddy carried him off to bed. And insisted on Ricky Ticky sleeping under his chin. Ricky Ticky was too well bred to bite or scratch, but as soon as Teddy was asleep, he went off for his nightly walk round the house. And in the dark, he ran into Chachandra, the muskrat, creeping round by the wall. Chachandra is a broken-hearted little beast. He whimpers and cheeps all the night, trying to make up his mind to run into the middle of the room. 
But he never gets there. Don't, don't kill me, said Chachandra, almost weeping. I think a snake killer kills muskrats, said Ricky Ticky scornfully. Those who kill snakes get killed by snakes, said Chachandra more sorrowfully than ever. And how am I to be sure that Nag won't mistake me for you some dark night? There's not the least danger, said Ricky Ticky, but Nag is in the garden, and I know you don't go there. My cousin Chua, the rat, told me, said Chachandra, and then he stopped. Told you what? Shh, Nag is everywhere, Ricky Ticky. You should have talked to Chua in the garden. Ah, uh, in the garden. I didn't. So you must tell me quick, Chachandra, or I'll bite you. Chachandra sat down and cried till the tears rolled off his whiskers. I am a very poor man, he sobbed. I never had spirits. Enough to run out into the middle of the room. Shh! I mustn't tell you anything. Can't you hear, Ricky Ticky? Ricky Ticky listened. The house was as still as still, but he thought he could just catch the faintest scratch, scratch, a noise as faint as that of a wasp walking on window pane. The dry scratch of a snake's scale on brickwork. That's Nag or Nagaina, he said to himself. And he is crawling into the bathroom. You're right, Chachandra. I should have talked to Chua. He stole off to Teddy's bathroom, but there was nothing there. And then to Teddy's mother's bathroom. At the bottom of the smooth plaster wall, there was a brick pulled out, and as Ricky Ticky stole in by the masonry curb where the bath is put, he heard Nag and Nagaina whispering together outside in the moonlight. When the house is emptied of people, said Nagaina to her husband, he will have to go away, and then the garden will be ours again. Go in quietly, and remember that the big man who killed Karait is the first one to bite. Then come out and tell me, and we will hunt for Ricky Ticky together. But are you sure that there's anything to be gained by killing the people? said Nag. Everything! When there were no people in the bungalow, did we have any mongoose in the garden? Oh, I had not thought of that, said Nag. 
I will go, but there is no need that we should hunt for Ricky Ticky afterward. I will kill the big man and his wife and the child if I can and come away quietly. Ricky Ticky tingled all over with rage and hatred at this, and then Nag's head came through the hole and his five feet of cold body followed it. Angry as he was, Ricky Ticky was very frightened as he saw the size of the cobra. Nag coiled himself up, raised his head, and looked into the bathroom in the dark, and Ricky could see his eyes glitter. Now, if I kill him here, Nagaina will know. And if I fight him on the open floor, the odds are in his favor. What am I gonna do? said Ricky Tiki Tavi. Nag waved to and fro, and then Ricky Tiki heard him drinking from the biggest water jar that was used to fill the bath. I shall wait here till the man comes. Nagaina, do you hear me? There was no answer from outside, so Ricky Tiki knew Nagaina had gone away. Nag coiled himself down, coil by coil, round the bulge at the bottom of the water jar, and Ricky Tiki stayed still as death. After an hour, he began to move muscle by muscle toward the jar. Nag was asleep, and Ricky Tiki looked at his big back, wondering which would be the best place for a good hold. If I don't break his back at the first jump, said Ricky, he can still fight. And if he fights, oh, Ricky. He looked at the thickness of the neck below the hood, but that was too much for him, and a bite near the tail would only make Nag savage. It must be the head, he said at last, the head above the hood, and when I am once there, I must not let go. Then he jumped. The head was laying a little clear of the water jar, under the curve of it. And as his teeth met, Ricky braced his back against the bulge of the red earthenware to hold down the head. This gave him just one second's purchase, and he made the most of it. Then he was battered to and fro as a rat is shaken by a dog. To and fro on the floor, up and down, and round in great circles. But his eyes were red, and he held on as the body cart whipped over the floor, upsetting the tin dipper and the soap dish, and banged against the tin side of the bath. As he held on, he closed his jaws tighter and tighter. He was dizzy, aching and felt shaken to pieces when something went off like a thunderclap. The big man had been awakened by the noise and had fired both barrels of a shotgun into Nag just behind the hood. Ricky Ticky held on with his eyes shut, for now he was quite sure he was dead. But the head did not move, and the big man picked him up and said, It's the mongoose again! Alice, the little chap has saved our lives now.
Then Teddy's mother came in with a very white face and saw what was left of Nag, and Ricky Tikki dragged himself to Teddy's bedroom and spent half the rest of the night shaking himself tenderly to find out whether he was really broken into forty pieces as he fancied. When morning came, he was very stiff but well pleased with his doings. Now I have Nagaina to settle with, and she will be worse than five nags. And there's no knowing when the eggs she spoke of will hatch. Goodness, I must go see Darzee," he said. Without waiting for breakfast, Rikki Tikki ran to the thorn bush where Darzee was singing a song of triumph at the top of his voice. The news of Nag's death was all over the garden, for the sweeper had thrown the body on the rubbish heap. Oh, you stupid tuft of feathers," said Ricky Ticky angrily. "Is this the time to sing? Where is Nagaina?" said Ricky Ticky, looking carefully round him. "Where is Nagaina?" "On the rubbish heap by the stables, mourning for Nag." "Have you ever heard where she keeps her eggs?" In the melon bed on the end nearest the wall, where the sun strikes nearly all day, she hid them there three weeks ago. The end nearest the wall. The end nearest the wall, you said. Ricky Dicky, you are not going to eat her eggs. Not eat exactly, no, Darzee. If you have a grain of sense, you will fly off to the stables and pretend that your wing is broken, and let Nagaina chase you away to this bush. I must get to the melon bed, and if I went there now, she'd see me. Darzi was a feather-brained little fellow who can never hold more than one idea at a time in his head, and just because he knew that Nagaina's children were born in eggs like his own. He didn't think at first that it was fair to kill them, but his wife was a sensible bird, and she knew that cobras' eggs meant young cobras later on. So she flew off from the nest and left Darzi to keep the babies warm. She fluttered in front of Nagaina by the rubbish heap and cried out, "Oh, my wing is broken!" Then she fluttered more desperately than ever. Nagaina lifted up her head and hissed. You warned Ricky Ticky when I would have killed him. She moved toward Darzee's wife, slipping along over the dust. It may be some consolation to you when you're dead to know that I shall settle accounts with the boy. What is the use of running away? I am sure to catch you, little fool. Look at me. Darzee's wife knew better than to do that. For a bird who looks at a snake's eyes gets so frightened that she cannot move. Darzee's wife fluttered on, piping sorrowfully and never leaving the ground. And Nagaina quickened her pace. Ricky Ticky heard them going up the path from the stables, and he raced for the end of the melon patch near the wall. There, in the warm litter about the melons, very cunningly hidden, he found twenty-five eggs with whitish skin instead of shell. 
He bit off the tops of the eggs as fast as he could, taking care to crush the young cobras, and turned over the litter from time to time to see whether he had missed any. At last, there were only three eggs left, and Ricky Ticky began to chuckle to himself when he heard Darcy's wife screaming. Ricky Ticky, I led Nagaina toward the house, and she has gone into the veranda. And oh, come quickly! She means killing. Ricky Ticky smashed two eggs and tumbled backward down the melon bed with the third egg in his mouth and scuttled to the veranda as hard as he could put foot to the ground. Teddy and his mother and father sat stone still, and their faces were white. Nagaina was coiled up on the matting by Teddy's chair, within easy striking distance of Teddy's bare leg, and she was swaying to and fro, singing a song of triumph. Teddy's eyes were fixed on his father, and all his father could do was to whisper, "Sit still, Teddy. You mustn't move." Then Ricky Ticky came up and cried. Turn round, Nagaina. Turn and fight. Look at your eggs," said Ricky Ticky, "in the melon bed near the wall." The big snake turned half round and saw the egg on the veranda. "Give it to me," she said. Ricky Ticky put his paws one on each side of the egg, and his eyes were blood red. The ants are eating all the others down by the melon bed. Nagaina spun clear round, forgetting everything for the sake of the one egg. Come and fight with me! You shall not be a widow long. Nagaina saw that she had lost her chance of killing Teddy, and the egg lay between Ricky Ticky's paws. Give me the egg! Give me the last of my eggs, and I will go away and never come back. Yes, you will go away, and you will never come back. For you will go to the rubbish heap with Nag. Fight, widow! The big man has gone for his gun. Fight! Ricky Ticky was bounding all round Nagaina, keeping just out of reach of her stroke. His little eyes like hot coals. Nagaina gathered herself together and flung out at him. Ricky Ticky jumped up and backward. Again and again and again, she struck. And each time her head came with a whack on the matting of the veranda, and she gathered herself together like a watch spring. Then Ricky Ticky danced in a circle to get behind her, and Nagaina spun round to keep her head to his head, so that the rustle of her tail on the matting sounded like dry leaves blowing along the wind. He had forgotten the egg; it still lay on the veranda, and Nagaina came nearer and nearer to it till at last she caught it in her mouth. Turned to the veranda steps and flew like an arrow down the path with Ricky Ticky behind her. Ricky Ticky knew that he must catch her, or all the trouble would begin again. She headed straight for the long grass by the thorn bush, and as he was running, Ricky Ticky heard Darcy still singing his foolish little song of triumph. But Darcy's wife was wiser. She flew off her nest as Nagaina came along and flapped her wings about Nagaina's head. If Darcy had helped, they might have turned her. But Nagaina only lowered her hood and went on. Still, the instant's delay brought Ricky Ticky up to her, and as she plunged into the rat hole where she and Nag used to live, 
His little white teeth were clenched on her tail, and he went down with her. And very few mongooses, however wise and old they may be, care to follow a cobra into its hole. It was dark in the hole, and Rikki Tikki never knew when it might open out and give Nagaina room to turn and strike at him. He held on savagely and struck out his feet to act as brakes on the dark slope of the hot, moist earth. The grass quivered again, and Rikki Tikki, covered with dirt, dragged himself out of the hole, leg by leg, licking his whiskers. Rikki Tikki shook some of the dust out of his fur and sneezed. It is all over, he said. The widow will never come out again. Rikki Tikki curled himself up into the grass and slept where he was, slept and slept till it was late in the afternoon, for he had done a hard day's work. When Rikki Tikki got to the house, Teddy and Teddy's mother, she still looked very white for she had been fainting, and Teddy's father came out and almost cried over him, and that night he ate all that was given to him till he could eat no more and went to bed on Teddy's shoulder where Teddy's mother saw him when she came to look late at night. He saved our lives and Teddy's life, she said to her husband. Just think, he saved all our lives. Rikki Tikki woke up with a jump, for all the mongooses are light sleepers. Oh, it's you, said he. What are you bothering for? All the cobras are dead, and if they weren't, I'm here. Rikki Tikki had a right to be proud of himself, but he did not grow too proud, and he kept that garden as a mongoose should keep it with tooth and jump and spring and bite, till never a cobra dared show its head inside the walls. The End There you have it, boys and girls! That's the story of Rikki Tikki Tavi. What did you think? Let me know. Come on to yarnstoryfactory.com. Leave me a comment. Leave me some pictures that you've drawn. What do you think mongooses look like? I would love to see your beautiful drawings. Until next time, this is Teacher Nina. Goodbye.